Thank you, Kathy, and thank you for a living testimony of the topic of my message today, adversity. It seems that this is something all of us have in common, adversity. It may be spiritual, it may be material, it may be financial with the stock markets going up and down, or it could be with, like our pastor, and Kathy, and many of you, it could be physical. And so this morning I want to address to you what God's Word says about facing adversity. It was really a small one-room apartment. The furniture was jam-packed in the little apartment. It gave evidence that the couple had really had a very lar- much larger, nicer place to live years ago. Corey Tinboon had come to this apartment to visit this couple under the cover of darkness. She was trying to avoid being detected or letting them be detected by the Russian secret police. Years earlier, Corey knew adversity. Her family lived out right outside of Amsterdam. And you know the story how they had the hiding place and they protected Jews in their community and how ultimately they were discovered during that World War II period. And the whole Ten Boon family was put in Nazi concentration camps. Corey Ten Boon knew adversity. And that was all the more reason she wanted to visit with this dear family, with this dear Russian couple. As Corey entered that little apartment, she saw a little older lady that she had come to see. And there she was on the little small sofa, all propped up with pillows. You see, her body, it was bent and twisted, almost beyond recognition because of the dreaded disease, multiple sclerosis. Her beloved husband spent much of his time caring for her needs. Corey walked over to the sofa. She bent over and tried to kiss the wrinkled cheek of that dear saint. All the lady could do was kind of roll her eyes up and smile at Corey. And then it was with great effort. Just like Kathy used great effort today to sing, it was with great effort. That dear little saint raised her right hand up, pulled her right finger up. It's all the part of her body she could control. And she caressed Corey's cheek. And all Corey could do was weep. And all she could do was kiss that blessed little finger. Because you see, it was with that one finger that that lady honored God. You see, each morning her husband would get her out of bed, get her to the little sofa, put the pillows all around so she didn't topple over, put that vintage black typewriter right in front of her, and with that one little finger, peck, peck, peck. She was translating the Bible into the Russian language so that people there could know about the wonderful love of Jesus Christ. My husband looked at Corey and he could sense her anguish because he could see it in her face. He made a profound statement that Corey never forgot. He said, God has a purpose 
in her sickness. You see, Corey, every other Christian in this city is watched by the Gestapo. But they don't bother us because they know of my wife's affliction. So they don't think she can do anything. And with that one little finger, peck, 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 she was used greatly of God. So I want to use that opening example. And then I want to use the example of the Apostle Paul found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And in verses 7 through 10, I want to give you, because this is something all of us have in common, I want to give you four tips, what I believe to be biblical tips, for handling adversity, whatever kind you may have. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Four simple tips to help all of us deal, to know how to handle Whatever adversity you may be facing today, tip number one, acknowledge God has a purpose in them. The lady in Russia, she had one finger. That's all she had to use for God. But do you realize that with that one finger in the translation of the word of God into the Russian language, many Russians came to trust Jesus Christ to be their personal Lord and Savior. And many Christians were strengthened in their faith as they read the Word of God. It's all she had. The one finger, but she gave it to honor God. What about Paul? Paul's adversity taught him a very important lesson. Humility. So that he would be more effective in sharing the gospel. He said in verse 7b, to keep me from exalting myself. So it's obvious that God in his sovereign knowledge knew that these great revelations that Paul had had listed in verses 1 through 6 could end up impacting Paul in a negative way. So God gave him this thorn in the flesh so that pride would not ruin his ministry. Look over in Proverbs chapter 16. As Solomon warns us about the destruction of pride that it causes in our life. Proverbs chapter 16 verses 18 and 19. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be of humble spirit with the lowly 
than to divide the spoil with the proud. We all like exciting spiritual experiences. We're delighted when there's a healing, when there's a miraculous breakthrough in people's lives. But let me warn all of us, be very careful with your testimony, even of a great blessing. Always honor God, no matter what it may be. Give him the honor and the glory. What is your adversity today? Everybody in here has probably got some type of adversity. Everybody watching via television has got some type of adversity. Can I tell you, God is fully trustworthy. And he has a purpose that he wants to accomplish even in the midst of your adversity. I don't know how many of you have read Jerry Bridges' excellent book called Trusting God. But Jerry said something, and my dear wife is the one who pointed this out, and I've studied it over and over again. But here's Jerry's quote. God is completely sovereign, infinite in wisdom, perfect in love, and therefore worthy of our trust. And then Jerry said, God desires for us that we learn to trust him. So let me ask you this morning, are you willing to trust God? Are you willing right now, even though you don't understand the why, but you understand God has a purpose in the adversity that you're facing today, would you just make that simple, quiet acknowledgement? If so, you might be ready to move on to tip two. Acknowledge that God's ways are not our ways. And his timing's not ours either. Paul wrote, a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. Now, think about that. Why would God use a messenger of Satan as an instrument of his work in one of his children? But that's exactly what he said. It's a mystery to us. But it affirms, if you look in Isaiah chapter 55, you know the verse very well. Many of you have memorized it. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, the prophet wrote, For my thoughts, these are God's, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I don't know anyone who can fully explain the nature of adversity that we face. The evils that even good and godly people face. There is no one fixed explanation people can give because we can always ask, but God, you're supreme. You can do anything. So we will be just childlike enough to say, but God. But the fact is, God is sovereign, and he has a purpose, and his ways are not in our ways at all. But here's what we need to know. God, and you need to settle this issue, God is either sovereign over all, or not at all. I choose today to make a confession that I believe he is supremely sovereign even when I can't explain what he's doing or why he's doing it, I believe that he is supremely sovereign. Dr. Warren Wiersbe, in his excellent commentary, wrote, Satan cannot work against a believer. 
without the permission of God. We know that when we studied the book of Job. Satan had to go and ask God's permission before he could even touch Job. So it was all under God's sovereign control. There was a purpose in it. And God's ways were not our ways, but they were perfect. And the same is true here in the New Testament with the Apostle Paul. So Paul, being a great saint that he was, said, Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And it's so easy to preach it. Another have to practice it and live it. God's ways are not our ways. But he's always trustworthy. And you need to admit that to yourself and to others. It doesn't mean we go and demand anything of God. Why should I have to tell sovereign God what he's got to do, when he's got to do it, how he's got to do it? His ways are not my ways. So I leave it to him. The healing, the financial situation, and all the other things we need to give to him because he is trustworthy. Third tip we learn from this is to acknowledge that prayer is vital. In verse 8 we read, Concerning this I entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Paul begged God. This word entreat, it was a strong word. He was begging God, please take this thing that is like a stake in my very being, causing me pain, endless pain. Please take it away. There's nothing wrong with that. We pray for sickness that we'd be healed. Those who have had financial downturns, we pray for the restoration of the economy. Those who are going through spiritual struggles, we pray and it's okay. Even the Lord Jesus, when he faced the greatest adversity any human, because he was in the flesh, though he was God, could face, there he was facing the cross. And as bad as, the, as that was... As bad as the pain was, Jesus knew he was about to experience something he had never experienced. The one who knew no sin would become the embodiment of sin that he might declare us righteous in his blood. So he was about to go to the cross and he went three times to the Father. If there's any other way... Any other way. But what did he tell us in verse 41 in Matthew chapter 26? He said to us, in the midst of his own struggle, he was thinking of us. He said to his disciples, so he's saying it to us, keep watching and praying. Now, what's so important about watching and praying? Jesus said that you may not enter into temptation because Jesus knew the Spirit's willing. We have a new nature in Christ. My Christ-like nature wants to live victorious and does not desire to, to commit sin. But that flesh is there. Jesus said the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what do we do? We put on the full armor of God, as we're told in Ephesians chapter 6. And we stand against the devil 
And in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6, he said, praying with all prayer. Prayer is vitally important. Be bold. We've been told in the book of Hebrews to come boldly before the throne of what? What is it? A throne of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense is one explanation of grace. But in his grace, God comes to us. Be bold and take your situation to God, whatever it is. But be willing to follow the example of Jesus. Do you remember what he said? After going to the Father three times, yet not as I will, but as thou wilt. Lord, whatever will bring you honor, whatever will bring you glory, that I yield to you. Are you willing to do that today? Lord, whatever you will, I commit it to you. Let me share with you one final tip. Tip four. Acknowledge the sufficiency of God. This is the whole good news statement of everything I'm sharing with you today. Acknowledge the sufficiency of God. Paul wrote in verse 9, and he has said to me. Now, I don't know the Greek as well as some people may know, but I studied in there and saw the, the tense of the verb here means God gave to the Apostle Paul a once-for-all-time promise. Paul, I am with you, and I'm always going to be with you, and my grace is always going to be sufficient. And if you read the, the rest of the, the letters from the Apostle Paul, you know what? He learned that lesson. He learned that lesson. He knew that God was fully able to make his grace sufficient for all of our needs. You see, if and I, I'm just going to give you three brief references. Let you study them at home. I want to show you where you can go to find about the promise of God for the sufficiency of God's grace for every circumstance, every adversity you will face. If you write these down and study them later today. Read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 4 through 6 and you will see that God says my grace is sufficient for your spiritual needs 2 Corinthians 3 4 through 6 the grace of God sufficient for all your spiritual needs secondly in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 Paul affirms God's grace is sufficient for every material or financial need we will have. Maybe not for all our wants, but for all our needs. I can testify to you as my church family, God has never let us have a need go unmet. Sometimes he's not on my schedule, but his ways are not my ways. So his timing is always perfect, though he usually has me waiting So his timing is absolutely perfect because God's grace is sufficient. I I mean, I look at the stock market. I know what my age is. I I know where a quarter of my, my portfolio has gone the last couple of weeks. But I can truthfully tell you we keep giving it to God. See, your grace is sufficient. 
So whatever our needs are, they'll be met. We trust you. Third, Paul tells us in these verses we were looking at today, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And Paul had to affirm this truth. His grace is sufficient for our physical needs. Now, would you today be willing to affirm the sufficiency of God's grace? Paul said in verse 9, my, 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 where he read, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul said, and when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Apostle Paul had to learn these things. You read over in Philippians, he said, I learned to be content. That tells me Paul had some battles with being content. Paul had some battles with being patient. But God's grace was always sufficient. Did you notice? This is, this is, the, this is the frank reality of the gospel. Paul never lost the thorn in the flesh. It stayed with him. His entire life. God, are you you sure you want to do it this way? I'm going to stay with this pain that is going on constantly. Like someone has impaled me. My grace will be sufficient. Paul, when you're weak, I'll be strong. The lady that Corey went to see had multiple sclerosis. She never got healed. There was never any dramatic healing. Now, I know they must have prayed for healing, but she never got it. Sometimes there is healing and we glory God in it. But sometimes there's not because God's ways are not our ways. The lady would not have been left alone by the Gestapo, by the the Nazis, by the Russians. She would have been taken captive. But they didn't think she's any big threat. She just had one finger. Peck, peck, peck. What do you got today? We've got a lot of abilities. Are we giving them to God? You may not know about Corey Ten Boone. Joyce and I had the privilege of visiting the hiding place over outside Amsterdam. We'd gone to the Ukraine, former Soviet Union, on a mission trip. And on our way back, we decided we'd stop in Amsterdam. We got on a train, went out to the little... A village where uh, Corey and her family lived, and we actually got to go into the hiding place in that little watch shop and see where countless Jews were kept safe. Even when Corey and her family got betrayed by a fellow person there in their community, they were all taken captive off to Nazi concentration camps. The last remaining Jews that were in hiding place got out later. Now, we need to learn to trust God even when things don't look like they're getting any better. If you've ever read The Hiding Place, you'll remember this. Corey's older sister, Betsy, was really her mentor, a good friend to her, and taught her many things. And one time they were praying together there in that concentration camp. Let me give you this setting. Here they are in a concentration camp being afflicted, but they were praying. And they were praying. Corey was praying this prayer of thanksgiving to God for everything. 
when Sister Betsy interrupted her prayer with these words, Corey and the bedbugs, thank God for the lice. Corey probably thought her sister was deranged. Thank him for the lice, for the bedbugs. Why would we thank God for something that so afflicted us? I mean, can you think about the lice all over you, the bedbugs all over you? And she, so she said, and God, thank you for the bedbugs. It was later that Corey understood why she ought to thank God for the lice. You see, Corey and Betsy started having Bible studies there in the little room. The guards were right outside there. They knew what was going on. <laughs> they wouldn't go in. Why wouldn't they go in? They didn't want to get the lice. They didn't want to get the bed bugs. God's ways are not our ways. And so there are times when you got those lice of life. Lord, I don't understand this. I really don't even like it. But I'm going to thank you in the midst of it. You're trustworthy. Betsy, their father, most of the other family members died in the concentration camp. Corey, she got out of concentration camp. Did you know she went back to the watch shop? She thought she would just continue because she was the first female watch repair person in all of Amsterdam. She went back. She just knew she couldn't do it because God had put on Corey's heart a message of forgiveness, a message of grace. So in the next years, Corey literally went around the world telling about God's grace, about God's love, about God's sufficiency for all of the needs of life. And this lady had been through it. And so she could do that with authority because nobody had been through quite what Corey had been through. So I ask you this morning, what's your adversity? Mine doesn't hold up to much of these. What's yours? And how are you handling it? Are you honoring God with the adversity you have? Are you willing to say with Job of the Old Testament and Paul of the New Testament? Are you willing to say with that Russian couple that is now with the Lord and the Tin Boon family who are now with the Lord, God, you're sufficient. You have a purpose in my adversity, and I acknowledge it today. I don't know what it is, I don't understand it, and I don't necessarily like it. But I'm acknowledging you're trustworthy. So God, I know there is some purpose in this. And we may not always know this side of glory. I don't know that Job ever understood his adversity. Paul had an inkling, because he said so, about humility and pride. Acknowledge God has a purpose. Acknowledge, in spite of what people try to tell you today, that God's ways are not our ways. It's not the Hollywood finish that we like to put on, where everything works out just perfect, because God's ways are not our ways. Has your adversity driven you to the point of prayer? That's good. Pray about it.
Pray about it with faith because God is able no matter what you're facing. And then make the final confession. God, your grace is sufficient. For even though I'm weak, yet I'm strong in you. I surrender this adversity to you. I surrender myself to you. Father, I pray the Lord Jesus would make real these truths that we have learned. I thank you for the examples that we have learned from your word and from even our own history. And thank you that you are sufficient. I pray today, Father, your Holy Spirit will do his work. And if there are any that are hearing this message that do not have a personal relationship with your wonderful son, Jesus, I pray right now they would repent of their sin and trust Jesus and receive the gift of eternal life. And I pray for the many that I know who have a deep adversity, would they surrender it to you. And I know that you will be sufficient in their weakness. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. Our staff members will be down at the front. We wait on you. Whatever decision you need to make, would you make it this morning?